Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World and Happy New Year. The first one of 2020. Dustin, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Kane. How mad is it, 2020? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty mad. It's pretty wild. Nearly, uh, nearly two years since starting VUX World. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up then. It, it doesn't feel like two years. It's, it's really sped by. It has. It has. It's gone incredibly, incredibly quick. Um, I seen a video on YouTube this morning that said that the older you get, the faster time tends to pass. And I must be getting old because the last couple of years have just absolutely flown by. I've heard a similar thing. It was the theory that it seems to go by faster because it's a smaller percentage of your life. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's mad. But uh, yeah. But here we are. So today we're going to have a look. We're going to not necessarily do a kind of full year in review, but we're going to kind of just pick out a few interesting things, aren't we? And we're going to have a bit of a chat about what's happened in 2019, some of the most overhyped things that have happened, some of the most underhyped things that have happened, uh, and also then having a little bit of a think about what's in store for 2020 as well. So. How do you want to start, Dustin? How do you want to kick things off? Yeah, I think, I mean, let's dig into the news. Let's let's talk about what happened in 2020. Kane, what were some of the biggest news stories for you? I was thinking about this this week, and I found it a bit mad because there's a lot of stuff that happened early on last year that's not quite as salient as it is some of the kind of more recent stories, you know what I mean? Like, because 12 months, I know we've been saying it's gone by so fast, but when you think about, like, I think it was something like February. Was it February when Apple acquired Pullstring? It was early in the year. Um, and it was kind of like, that was the, for me, that was the biggest sort of like, it was a, a big way to start. 2019 with a huge company that fair enough gets written off or not written off but discounted or not really spoken about hugely in in the kind of voice uh, community but one company that has probably got one of the most used voice assistants out there in Siri purchasing and acquiring uh, one of the top tooling providers uh, in the industry. So I thought that that story was a probably one of the the biggest news stories although it was early on in the year because it almost kind of, it really enthused everybody because it was like, oh my God, Apple's acquired Pullstring. That means, you know what that means? That means that all of a sudden Siri's going to be kind of totally open and it's going to be kind of like another skill store or app store for Siri or whatever. That didn't quite transpire, but um, it still was a, an interesting story. And I still wonder what they're doing with it today. I don't know whether you've got any, if you've heard anything about what's happened to that and what's happened to Oren Jacob and stuff. Not sure, not sure. I wonder if it was an Aqua Hire type of situation. Uh, or maybe an aqua hire plus situation mm. where it was really the talent more than the product that was coming in. Mm. But I did hear. I mean, we had on Jacob on the podcast, didn't we? And, and from what he was talking about, and, the, and I didn't, I never, didn't ever use Pulse. Did you ever use Pulse Stream? No, maybe checked it out before the podcast, but never used it for a project. No. Yeah, because I'd never used it either. But the way he was talking about it, it seemed like a pretty decent uh, tool. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, Oren has got huge, huge experience with, you know, mm-hmm. Toy Talk and, and Pullstring and all that kind of stuff. So it could have been could have been something that was done just purely for to acquire the talent and stuff like that. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What about you? What, what was what was the some of the standout stuff from last year? Yeah, I think I think there were two that were were biggest for me. One, w- which wasn't so much news as it was 
uh, information that came to light, which was Mangrove Partners, a European VC, saying that uh, voice startup funding was set to nearly triple. Uh, I don't know if it was 2019 or 2018. I believe it was 2019 that Spotify acquired Gimlet, yes, which was, isn't, yeah. isn't truly in the voice space as the way I think about it, but it is in the way that a lot of people think about it in the audio space. And, and that was huge. Um, it was huge. I think for a couple of reasons, one, just the amount of money that went into that, and also to see a, a podcast network, one that I personally like quite a lot, being acquired and, and there being that money behind it was quite interesting. So definitely that was one of them. And I think a second one was, again, not so much news as it was just a coming to light, which was Google talking about how they're using uh, BERT to understand searches better than ever before. This new NLU approach that allows them to answer questions a lot better. And so it's not just natural language understanding improvements, but it's also question answering improvements, which this technology that they're using is open source. It's, it's completely available. The research is out there. So we can expect, I would hope to see improvements really across the board beyond just what Google is doing. And so we're going to see it on Alexa. We're going to see it uh, on the web as well. We're going to see it in different situations where we're not, we're moving beyond the keyword-based searching. The keyword-based searching that we've trained ourselves to do for the past 30 years. Here instead, we're just asking questions like we would ask each other questions. Mm. It's interesting because um, did you see the Baidu um, Ernie? Right, yeah, yeah. Because we put something out on, on LinkedIn yesterday and just asking, you know, what some of the people, some of the underhyped stories that people have heard. And Andrew Bellavia mentioned that uh, this this Ernie story, which which must have passed me by because it did come uh, late in the year. And you know that I'm not a developer and I'm not necessarily a technical-minded person. So if I try and explain this and get it wrong, please do pull me back in line. But from what I understand from reading the article... Bert can kind of look before and after a word to try and figure out the, the where that word belongs. So, for example, in in the um, in the example in this article, it uses the phrase "Harry Potter is a novel written by J.K. Rowling," and the example of how they trained Bert was that it would say "Blank Potter." is a novel by Blank Rowling, and so what Bert will does do it will look afterwards at Potter and then before the word Rowling to novel and then Rowling the word and then it will say okay well if it's a novel and it's Rowling it must be JK and if it's preceded by uh, Potter then it might be Harry something like that you know it basically it looks um, to the to before and after it before the word and after the word to try and figure out how to replace the word in the middle if that makes sense whereas Ernie what the way that they trained Ernie was that rather than blanking out the word Harry and have the uh, the AI try and fill in the the the, uh, the blank, what it would do is it would say Harry Potter is a blank written by J.K. Rowling, and so Ernie apparently is trained around topics that can then associate Harry Potter with a novel rather than Bert, which is trained around the words at each side of the current word, something like that. 
Does that make sense, or is that just complete bullshit? <laughs> I, no, I, I think it definitely makes sense. I, I think it's it's quite interesting. You know, birds itself, uh, that sort of technology does allow question answering that is more just more than just a word uh, prediction. We've had word prediction for a really long time. The thing that I think most people know, but they don't necessarily realize, is that we all talk the same way. Uh, like you're able, if I were to end my, you would be able to guess what I was about to say. You would probably guess, oh, well, sentence, phrase, whatever. And so that kind of prediction we've been able to do for a long time. But this answering of questions and to go, okay, well, you know, it doesn't exactly say that word in the sentence. It doesn't exactly say that phrase in the sentence, but this is what it means. It's great to see more more growth in that area. And so I think Bert's and, and Ernie and, and the other Muppet-related uh, research that we're going to be seeing coming out <laughs> is quite interesting as well. I don't know if you saw this, but there's actually a French version of Bert's as well. Do you know what it's called, Kane? No. So it's called Camembert. <laughs> or Camembert. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting to see this. Uh, it's something that I think is going to be great for search, but also just for for matching people to the information that they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. I'll, I'll link to that article about the Ernie one as well. Um, essentially, what it's saying is that it learns more robust predictions based on meaning rather than statistical word usage patterns. And whoever wrote that article obviously says it a lot better than me. Karen Howe obviously can explain that far better than I can. But I'll link to it anyway below there. Um, so yeah, so we've so we've had some some big acquisitions. We've had some interesting technology advancements. Uh, the the one thing that's a little bit kind of like with all this kind of acquisition stuff, it feels a little bit as though like it might only be a matter of time before something like voice flow gets acquired by some company that kind of sucks it internally and snips obviously got acquired by sonos and so presumably that technology is going to be used by sonos and i would imagine they're probably going to stop third party access to it at some point if if they've acquired the company for the tech so it's almost as if like as we fast forward through 2020 I'm hoping, I mean, it's good signs that these companies have been acquired and it's it's a really good sign that, you know, voice funding for voice companies is, is set to triple and stuff like that. But it's like, I'm just a little bit apprehensive that all of this interesting work and, and consumer facing technology at the moment gets kind of swallowed up by companies with a load of money. Yeah, Sonos uh, slash Snips has already announced that they're not going to support their customers moving forward, which which makes sense, which is to be expected. I think it can be a good sign, and not to be too pessimistic. I think it can be a bad sign as well. I think a lot of these companies, you you don't found a company. Uh, at least you're not going to say this publicly. You're not going to found a company unless you expect a big exit. And a lot of these exits weren't a huge exit, and some of these exits indeed were down from their previous fundraising. And so this could be a sign that fundraising for some sorts of these technologies is dried up. Otherwise, they would have gone Series B, Series C, Series D, etc. And perhaps that fundraising has dried up. If you have enough customers, if you have enough revenue coming in, that people are going to, to give you money and, and try to invest. And so I wonder how much of this is a sign that 
these companies aren't finding product market fits or at least a product market fit that leads to revenue versus how much of it is actually a good sign. And it it could be both, right? It could Mm. be a mixture of the two. Mm, Yeah, it's interesting. So what were some of your kind of most overhyped stories then from from 2019? Not necessarily stories, but things that happened that were just really overhyped. My most overhyped thing that happened in in 2019 was the voice interoperability initiative. So for a couple of reasons, Uh, one, I think there's two requirements. One, it has to be hyped and and two, it has to end up not being much. I think the interoperability initiative was the one where it came out and everyone said, oh, wow, this is so amazing. You know, this is a game changer. Uh, You know, the core jockeys were like, this changes everything. And and I don't think that's the case. Uh, And one signal, at least, about this is if you look at voicebot.ai did a similar thing where they reached out to people and said, hey, what were your most hype stories? What were your uh, biggest stories? What were the most unimportant stories? I don't remember interoperability initiative being even mentioned within there. It definitely wasn't mentioned in the top 10. And so for something where uh, the amateur analyst said was so important, to not even be mentioned in the top 10, I think that's maybe a sign that not much is happening. Yeah. What about you, Ken? On, on that, I, I, I kind of, I get the concept. And do you remember um, uh, Hicham Tahiri from Smartly AI? For, uh, they're based in Paris. It was a while back and he was trying to start this... Um, I can't remember what he called it now, but it was something like a, a digital assistant alliance or something like that. And that was kind of what it was supposed to be doing. It was trying to kind of find some kind of like standard whereby like any assistant can run on any device. <clears throat> so you might have one smart speaker or one phone or whatever, but then you'd be able to call up any of your however many assistants um on there and he had I think he had a bit of trouble. He had a bit of traction at the start but had a bit of trouble. I can see the kind of the the benefit of it but I don't really know I don't know it's a bit hard to understand what it means in practice does that mean that like Lenovo would make a smart speaker and build in like Google Assistant uh, Siri and Alexa and if so I don't know, is that is that a premium product I mean I don't, I don't know it's a bit it's a bit difficult to to work out well it's also important to note that Google and Apple and Samsung, I believe, were not a part of this initiative. It really I thought, is. I thought Google and Amazon were both part no, of it. No, no. Google is definitely not a part of it. You might be thinking about the smart home thing that was announced more recently. Yeah, the smart home standards. Yeah, no, no. I, I definitely thought yeah. it was this, but no, yeah. No, yeah. So Google wasn't a part of it. The biggest players certainly were Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and Salesforce, Spotify, yeah. Tencent, Baidu. The interest, and then there's a lot of hardware yeah. and orange and stuff like that on it. Yeah, yeah orange, uh, free, SFR. The interesting thing is you've got a lot of hardware manufacturers, and for them, it, it doesn't really matter what's on their device, right? Uh, except for maybe like a Sonos, right? Then you have uh, you have Microsoft who is giving out of the consumer assistant game more or less salesforce who was never in the consumer game spotify which has a completely different 
use case. And then you've got Tencent and Baidu, which are focused on Chinese, which, which Amazon's not. So really what you have here, in my opinion, is you've got Amazon, who is the behemoth of this, who is partnering with these other companies that aren't really competing with Alexa. And that's some sort of alliance there, which is going to maybe help shore them up and bring them to to Alexa for business or whatever. But also... <laughs> is that going on in the background? Yeah, it's going on. <laughs> it's, it's actually the, the Fire tablet, which I need to turn off. Uh, <laughs> there's no reason for that to, to be there. Uh, so backing up. So what you have is Amazon here, who is the behemoth, who's going to bring these smaller companies who aren't competing with it anyway, who are maybe bringing this along. But I also just wonder how much of this is PR and it's going to peter out eventually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, I mean, obviously Sonos is on there and them having acquired Snips, um, they've obviously got something up their sleeve, but it's not going to be at the scale of Alexa. Spotify, we know, have been experimenting with voice search, but again, they partner with Amazon closely anyway, um, which is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I mean, you can see Amazon are kind of, I think they're being cautiously open, if you know what I mean. Like, I think it was last week or the week before, you can now listen to Spotify podcasts and Apple podcasts on Alexa. And, you know, Spotify is, you can have Spotify as your default music player, and you can also play Apple music on Alexa. And given that Amazon have got Amazon Music, you'd kind of think that, you know, it's not in their interest to kind of allow that, which is, it's a good sign that they are, you know, they're kind of, they've been a bit cautious with it, but I don't know if this might be, um, I don't know, I don't know, it's a bit weird, it's a bit of a... Well, I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting one because that's actually where the roles are reversed, right? Because... You know, the devices, the smart speakers are so much about their speakers, right? It's so much about music. And Spotify is the leader by far in streaming music. And so without Spotify on these devices, they're not going to sell nearly as many because no one's buying this device and then also saying, oh, well, I'll switch over from Spotify to Amazon Music. It's a similar thing, I think, to, to Apple Music as well, though Apple has their built-in fans who are going to, to buy their stuff no matter what. And so for, the, for that situation, Spotify wants to be wherever people are listening to music, and they're much bigger than Amazon Music, so it, there's perhaps not much of a competition there. It would be interesting to see, though, if Amazon Music grows more, if that becomes something that's a little bit more difficult for those two companies to, mm. to to figure out. I can't see Amazon Music growing, to be honest. it's Have you used it? Uh, I I used it a long time ago, but it was just the free tier. The, the paid tier, from what I understand, has just as many songs as Spotify. Is that right? It's, well, the thing, the, the thing I didn't like about Amazon Music was that with Spotify, if you... Like, for example, you can find a playlist on Spotify and it'll be full of, like, just songs that you might not have heard, but but they're all in the kind of style that you might enjoy. Like, in the summertime, we might have the, you know, we'll put the uh, speaker in the garden or whatever, we'll have a barbecue, put some Spotify playlists on, and it's like, you, you've got, like, a, you know, a decent... Let's say, for example, if you want to play some jazz, for argument's sake, 
you know that every song is going to be in the kind of in the style that you would like it to be in but you might not have heard it before whereas with Amazon Music if you said play if you just say play some jazz or play a jazz playlist it'll start playing like Jamiroquai and like a load of like stuff that you just wouldn't want to hear you know what I mean like not that Jamiroquai is not any good because they are but it's like you know if you just want something different so it's like I find that for for finding new music on specifically on the Echo through Amazon Music, I, I didn't really dig it greatly. But anyway, um, yeah, no, that's an interesting one, that then. So I thought that the uh, one of the most overhyped stories was the whole kind of uh, Google, Amazon and Apple outsourcing all of their kind of like uh, the listening and improving of their ASR and NLP. So you know there's lots of stories there was a flurry of them over probably kind of like i think it was maybe like august time and we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes but you know amazon had used uh contractors in india or somewhere to listen to a a set number of uh audio clips that had been fed through echo devices and then they're kind of there to work out whether um or what Amazon Alexa's response should have been for these queries that they didn't have a match for. Turns out that Google had been doing the same thing and Apple had been doing the same thing as well. And then I think they all kind of retreated and, uh, you know, stopped it and whatnot temporarily, probably. But, you know, the reason why I thought that was overhyped, and I don't know if this is just, you know, being involved in the industry and, and maybe he's having a slight bit more knowledge than than an average consumer but i kind of assumed that something like that was happening anyway i kind of thought that you know the only way these things are, are really gonna learn properly there'll need to be some kind of manual intervention in there now fair enough i didn't realize that it was uh, outsourced to india or china or wherever it was i thought it might have been just you know a lot of people in amazon's offices or whatever but I kind of I would just assume naturally that this was this would be going on. I think that maybe why it was so kind of hyped was because the average consumer didn't know about it and you know all of a sudden they're potentially having their audio files sent to you know across the continent to be listened to. But I don't know. I don't know if it was just me because I know that privacy is a huge concern for people. Even people that own devices uh, and use these devices are still concerned about privacy. So I, I understand where people's concerns are. But for me personally, I just thought that it was obvious. The only shock fact—it wasn't even a shock—but the only thing I didn't know was that they would be outsourcing it to another continent. Yeah, I think this is one of those things that was both overhyped and underhyped for me. Overhyped in that the certainly we should have known that this was happening or just assumed that this was happening and it really doesn't change all that much underhyped perhaps because i don't think people who are working in this space realize the impact that stories like this have on consumers i know going to a few conferences this year and in one conference there was a panel where we were talking about detecting emotions through speech and there were a couple of panelists on there who were like, yeah, Amazon's absolutely going to do it. It's no big deal, like whatever. And to me, that kind of thing, I think is going to really freak people out. And I think if we're not cognizant of that, if I would hope that Amazon and Google are cognizant and Apple and, and everyone are cognizant of it as well. But if we're not, this is the kind of thing that could really kill this type of this interface, this type of uh, smart speaker or whatever, because people are going to all of a sudden go, okay, well, you're actually 
finding out too much about me. You know, maybe it's not emotions. Maybe it's uh, medical predictions, right? Without without consent. At some point, people are going to go, okay, I didn't realize how much you could actually know about me or this is just too scary. Because we think about this and we think about how people go, oh, yesterday I was just talking about uh, Argyle socks and today I got an ad for Argyle socks on Facebook. They must be listening to me. And it's like, no, it's just that machine learning is getting so good and you're so basic that, of course, <laughs> you're the kind of person who likes Argyle socks. Like, But people don't make that connection. They're not, I, I don't want to say smart enough, but they're not trained enough in this domain to go, okay, well, if you like suspenders and and tweed coats you're the kind of person who's going to like argyle socks and speak about argyle socks and at some point those are going to align people just freak out and go no they're they're listening to me and so i think this is the kind of thing where this is something that's literally listening to you at all times it's not recording you at all times people don't necessarily realize that but you're definitely seeing and i think these people are outliers but you see some people who insist when they go over to someone's home for Christmas or Thanksgiving to unplug their Echo devices, which which is an annoying move on its own, and we can talk about that all we want. But I don't think if we don't take into account what's going on and, and how people feel about it, then it will be to everyone's detriment. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I've heard people who they unplug the Echo when they go to bed which I always think is a bit ironic because you're only you're sleeping anyway. There's nothing to actually pick up. But like, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, some people who I've spoken to, you know, who are not kind of in the industry, that's sometimes one of the first things some people will say. Oh, it's always listening to you, isn't it? And it's like, you know, and, and also when you see stories, you know, the constant, seemingly constant stories that come out about Facebook over the last few years and about how much data they have, you know, people are just now starting to understand that that you're the product of Facebook, you know, and your data is the thing that they trade on kind of thing. Um, so I think that people's awareness about just how much data is being kind of gathered and just how much information companies like Google have on people is only just starting to to kind of become known to the average person, I think. So, I mean, history will tell whether the timing of voice technology is, is poor in, in a 10-year to 15-year kind of time frame if, if, if this kind of privacy concern uh, carries on. But I do think, it, I, I, I don't want to make it sound as I don't think it's important because I think it's really important. Whatever's important for the user, the end user, it has to be the most important thing for us. And if they, if people are really concerned about privacy, then there definitely does need to be uh, measures taken and something done. But going back to that story, I, I think it was just, just because I was assuming it would happen anyway. For me personally, I thought it was a little bit kind of uh, overhyped. But I do I do take your point in terms of, you know, people do have real concerns about it. And uh, the industry probably shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, which is glossing over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what about underhyped stories for you, Kane? Mm, I think the... There's just two that I could think of, and both related to Google. One was the on-device automatic speech recognition that's on the Pixel 4 that they demoed on, um, that might be an I.O., I think it was I.O. earlier in the year. And when they did the demo, uh, it looked fantastic because it, it essentially, when you ask Google Assistant something, it decreases the response time to, like, 
you know milliseconds because all of the the AI is running on the on the device. Um, and not only that, but it's obviously you know continuing that kind of theme about privacy. It's also a hell of a lot more secure to have everything running on the device and only sending the intents to the cloud rather than sending your whole audio to the cloud. So I think that is a real step forward and, and stuff like that. And this is what Snips were good at as well, you know. And this is probably why Sonos might have a decent acquisition there if they can position themselves as yes, music speakers, smart speakers with an assistant on it. However, everything runs on the device. Um, I think that's one of the ways. That, that maybe we can start giving people more confidence, and so I think that was a that was a really good uh, a really good move from Google, and it, it it was covered, but it didn't seem to be I don't think given the full um, appreciation that it that it perhaps should. And the second one was the Google Action outage, you know the kind of when Google just removed a load of actions from the uh, from the kind of action store if that's what it's called. Um, and it was all due to like a potential phishing uh, vulnerability. And so to be sure, to be safe, they took a load of actions down, thousands of actions from all over the world, really without saying anything about it. You know, they didn't kind of get in touch with all the developers and say, we're taking your action down because of a security risk. They just kind of pulled the plug. Um, and it was only covered really on, I mean, um, someone got in touch with me on LinkedIn, told me about it. And then the next day, I think Brett Kinsella wrote about it in, VoiceBot, and then Brett did a few articles in VoiceBot about it, but that was pretty much the only place that I seen it mentioned. I didn't really see it covered anywhere else. So, and I'm not saying that that it was underhyped because it was only in VoiceBot, because VoiceBot essentially reaches the vast majority of the industry. But in terms of some of the other publications that would have got that information wider, like you know TechCrunch or Verge or whatever, I didn't see anything on 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 those sites. But I thought it was quite a an interesting um, an interesting thing to happen like Google all of a sudden just takes everything down without word or warning and they're down for two weeks and basically the whole platform kind of not not the whole platform the whole third party side of the platform was pretty much just kind of diminished for two weeks without word or warning which I thought was probably required or warranted a little bit more uh, investigation right yeah yeah that's a bit weird uh, certainly on my side, I think the security and privacy concerns we just talked about were were a bit underhyped. I think there were a couple other things as well. One being Hugging Face raised, I think, a Series A, maybe a Series B. But they're a very interesting company that is building an LU tooling. And I think that's one that was very underhyped because I haven't seen anyone really talk about it. I think one of my pet causes is that... <clears throat> A lot of people focus too much on Amazon and on Google and, and on Apple and, and and Samsung to a lesser extent. And they don't focus on voice overall. They don't focus on natural language overall. And really, in my mind, the smart assistants are probably here to stay, but what is really going to have the biggest impact is NLU and voice everywhere. And I think people are unnecessarily limiting themselves. So maybe I shouldn't say this because let's let them continue to limit <laughs> themselves. And you and I can we can we can we can uh, branch out. But you know that's really the advances in that technology are what I'm excited about. And to see them raise that money, I think is is really great. Mm. And then finally, anything to do with Salesforce Einstein. I didn't hear anyone talk about this at all. And Salesforce is a behemoth. I don't know if you know this, Kane, but they have they have an annual conference. Um, can't remember the name of it, but they have an annual Salesforce conference in San Francisco. And I heard that there's something like 
tens of thousands and may even be up to a hundred thousand people who attend. Wow. I think they had Barack Obama speak at the conference <laughs> this year. Wow. So it, it tells you the kind of things I could never imagine working on Salesforce, like being a Salesforce developer, just, I have no interest in it at all, <laughs> but so many businesses dr- are driven by Salesforce. So many mm. uh, businesses are built on top of Salesforce that you really can't ignore it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like it is, it's it is definitely one of the biggest CRMs. I mean, it does far more than the CRM as well, doesn't it? I mean, from what I, I've never used it before, but from what I understand of it, you can pretty much do what you want with it, can't you? Really? Yeah, um, and they have they have other uh, they have other tools as well. So they have something like Commerce Cloud, for example, which Commerce Cloud will power e-commerce, right? Mm-hmm. They they have a platform where people can build on top of it. So exactly like you said, you can do pretty much anything with it. Mm. So what do you think has changed or has anything changed, do you think, within the voice industry in the last 12 months? Yeah, I think there's more maturity in, in what people are building. I think people are not so much dipping their toe into it, but they're actually jumping in and not quite as fast as I thought that they might have, especially the larger companies, but you are seeing some growth there. And I think you're seeing a little bit more attentiveness to the privacy, but I think you're also seeing a lot of disillusionment as well. You're seeing disillusionment from developers, but you're also seeing it from consumers a little bit as well, where they go, okay, my echo is nice for playing music. It's for nice for turning on the lights, but what else is there? Or, oh, I'm actually really struggling to to get it to understand me all the time. And so it's nice, but it's not my phone, right? I'm not tethered to it. And so I think you're seeing a little bit of maturity. I think you're seeing a little bit of disillusionment. I think it might be a year where there's even more disillusionment. We talk about this, the trough of disillusionment for a while and you know, we talked about this. I think we're here to stay. I think this is sticking around, but you would have to stick through it and you have to be smart about what you're doing and and maybe branch out a little bit. What about you, though? What, what do you think has changed over the past year? Uh, I think the disillusionment is a good is a good point. I mean, one of the things I was thinking is that I've seen like people come kind of into the industry or onto the scene and then disappear you know it almost feels a little bit like there there is a group of people who thought that this was an opportunity to make a quick few quid and you know started a podcast or whatever and got to like 10 episodes and then dropped it or you know built a skill or a couple of skills and and you know maybe didn't get any traction and and so have not kind of bothered carrying on and whatnot it just seems there's a few things i've noticed where it seems as though either some of the people who were in really really early are kind of starting to question the validity of you know, building a business out of making Alexa skills, for example. However, you can look at, you know, Labworks and Matchbox and some of the other people who we've had on the show and, and are doing a really good job of it. So I don't think that point is, is, a, is, a, is a stable point. But I do, I have seen some people who arrived on the scene not be there anymore. And so that's kind of one of the things that I think is probably related to disillusionment as well, to be honest. Um, and a bit more, I've, I've noticed some scepticism 
in places, which I think is understandable as well, because, you know, I mean, we've been doing this in the podcast for, for two years. There's been people who've been building skills for a lot longer than that. Um, and there's been people who've been working in voice more broadly for 20 odd years, you know. Um, so I think I've noticed a, a, a bit more scepticism a little bit which I think is a natural part of an industry progressing and I think that you have to be a bit sceptical because you have to understand either the reservations or the concerns that either end users or the community has if you're ever going to address them and move past them you know so I think that's probably but I think it's probably all still related to your point of maybe this kind of trough of disillusionment thing happening a little bit but on the plus side I think that definitely this year I think that even 2018, you could have probably said the same thing, but in 2019, it seems as though there is just far more awareness about voice technology in general. You know, you say Alexa to someone and they know what you're talking about. Even if they don't have one, they don't use one, they know exactly what you're talking about. And so people are more aware of voice interfaces, but probably not quite aware of the kind of things that, that voice interfaces and voice assistants can, can potentially do for you. Hmm. Yeah, and then changing topics a little bit personally, how was 2019 for you, Kane? Uh, wild, I think. Yeah. Completely wild. 2018 was mad enough. I mean, you know, we moved house, got a dog, uh, got pregnant, got married. Not got pregnant, had a baby, uh, got married. Uh, 2019 was a year really where the whole idea of 2019 was to just get my head down crack on with VUX world do everything possible and you know work as many hours as I can do to 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 you know help turn it into to what it can be and that's kind of the reflection of 2019 I haven't had I've hardly had any holidays <clears throat> you know well I, the start of the year um was published in the Harvard Business Review which was a huge kind of milestone. I used to read that when I was in uni and it's been one of those publications that, you know, it's it's known for quality uh, content and to be asked to write an article for it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, and then I was a part of the Alexa Cup with the Say It Now team, finished third globally on in the Alexa Cup, which was a really, really uh, proud moment. Uh, hosted All About Voice in Munich, first time in Munich. That was absolutely epic. And then we've kind of, started getting traction with VUX World Studios, which for those that, that don't know, me and Dustin have been doing consulting work and design and development work and helping agencies and brands bring to life some of these voice experiences that we talk about on the show every single week. So, you know, all of that stuff, the whole year has just been a year of VUX World. And I think we've, we've both taken it from, you know, a podcast to you know, now it's a podcast, it's a consultancy studio, you know, we've got a whole load of things planned for, for 2020 and it's, uh, it's been, it's been absolutely wicked. What about you? I think this year, if I look back on it and I look back from not my own eyes, this year professionally has been one of the best years ever. I published my book. It finally came out after, you know, a year and a half of working on it and then six more months of editing and, and waiting for it to come out, which is great. Uh, I got to travel a ton, speaking with a lot of people, meeting a lot of people, which was great as well. But also, I think this year was a lot of challenges as well. Uh, I uh, was knocked up for three months, I believe, three months, three and a half months. Uh, I busted up my knee in the spring. So that really 
got in the way of a lot of things. I was going to come camping in England and, and that didn't happen. Uh, I had a trip for the Alps planned and went and the second day I got uh, strep throats. And so there are all of these, all of these challenges, all these obstacles that were thrown my way. And so it was a, a good year for learning patience, I think. I think if I look back to January 1st, 2019, and I thought, here's where I wanna be December 31st, 2019. I'm not there, I'm certainly not there. At the same time, it's been just a, a great year of learning, a great year of advancing. So even if I wasn't where I hoped to be, I think this year has been fruitful overall. Mm. I think it's all about taking steps forward, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, I remember one of the things that I, I, we were at Mobile UX London a few weeks back and someone asked um what would your advice be to someone who wants to get into VUX or VUE design and stuff like that? And and I think one of the things I was saying is just do something every day that just takes you a little step forward, you know? And I think that, you know, we're talking about, you know, how life gets quicker when you get older. And I think that you can have a plan and you can have a milestone, but as long as you've gone forward, if you haven't even reached it, as long as you've gone forward and you've taken steps forward and you're progressing, then that it's, it's all about the progression over time, not necessarily the progression in 12 months, I think. So I think that any any movement forward is is good. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've heard or seen several times, and I think it's attributed to Bill Gates, but it might actually be someone else, that people underestimate what you can do in a year, or overestimate what you can do in a year, rather. People overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in a decade. And so thinking about that, you know, it's also the end of a decade. And so if you look back 10 years, January 1st, 2010, What's happened over the past 10 years for you, Kane? What did you think you would be doing by the wow. end of 2019? Um, in 2009, 2010, I think I was at, I think I was in uni. I think I was at uni. What had happened is uh, I went to, I used to make music and stuff. And then I kind of fancied myself as a bit of a rapper slash producer, as you do. And uh, I did music technology at uni, realized that actually to work in that industry probably isn't what I wanted to do at that time. So then I left the uni, but then went back to uni in 2009, I think, because I was running events and I was doing a load of things like that. And I thought if I want to do things like this, like events and stuff like that, then I kind of want to learn what I'm actually doing. So I went back to the union did marketing and uh, it was, that was, that was probably, I mean, I've always wanted to do something for myself. I've always had like a, a side sort of hustle, whether it's sort of like being a freelance writer, whether it's, um, you know, building websites for people, uh, things like that. And it's kind of been a common thread, but I've always kind of wanted to do something for myself, you know, rather than work at a company or what have you. Um, and so that's kind of been the the theme throughout the whole decade really has been, you know, how can I build either the experience or the skills and find the opportunity that will give me a chance to work for myself. And that's kind of been the, the running theme of the decade. Um, and yeah, that's probably it. But I, I mean, I don't know, to be, to, when I was in uni, I didn't actually have a plan I don't think I mean I didn't even live down here we you know in the last decade we've moved 
down to Tunbridge Wells, you know, had a few different jobs and, you know, been on wild holidays and had a baby, which is just, I definitely <laughs> didn't think I'd have a baby. That is just mental. Yeah. But what about you? What's, uh, what's been, what's been going on in, in the decade for you? What's been, what did you think you'd be doing on, on the 1st of January, 2020 in 2010? Yeah. I, it's a wild decade. I never could have guessed what had happened. Uh, you know, January 1st, 2010, I was, I woke up in Texas. I was less than three months away from leaving the US for the first time ever. I think actually at that point, I had never even had a passport at that point. I still, I don't think I had even received my passport yet. And so I knew I was leaving. I, I was planning on moving overseas, did that. It didn't quite work out. And so came back to the US. And over the past 10 years, I've lived in, depending on how you define lived in, either three cities or five cities uh, and and two or th- uh, three countries, again, depending on how you define it. About halfway, not quite halfway through 2010, made the transition to doing full time software development, which is something I should have been doing forever. And, and just, you know, I grew up in a small, rural, very agriculturally driven town in the 90s, just didn't even realize that that was an option career wise. And looking back on it, I was I was just waiting to get back into it. And so th- these past 10 years, you know, I mentioned I was three months away from moving overseas. I didn't realize it at the time. I was less than nine months away from moving the woman, meeting the woman who would end up being my wife. And so these past 10 years have been just a, a ton of growth. You know, it's hard to say that any 10 year period uh, when you compare your teens and then your and then your youth, that this 10 years has been the biggest change, but there's been a ton of change. It definitely hasn't been static and it's been amazing to see. And I don't think that I would have ever thought that I would be here and not to say that I've reached the pinnacle or I'm, you know, amazing or whatever. But I think if I were to think about where I might be in my career at January 1st, 2010, and pictured where I am now, I think I would have been very happy with that, which is which is interesting because I'm the kind of person where uh, I I don't settle too much. I think you know I we talked about uh, we want to advance, we want to get better, and and this year was about learning patience. Again, I think if I look back on it, I would say, oh yeah, I was I'd be happy there. I'd completely be okay be staying there, but you always want to move forward. You always want to advance. You always want to do more things. And I think it's also useful though, to, to take a step back and go, okay, well, you know, look at, look at where you are, look at where things are right now. Things are actually pretty good. Mm, definitely. And just getting started as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, 2020, it's, it's the first week and so it's a good time to look ahead. What about, what do you want to do in 2020? Where do you, what do you expect for yourself this year? What do you expect for VUX World as well? Um, this next decade for me is about doing the things that I've been telling myself that I can do for the last 10 years. <laughs> Basically, the last 10 years I've been telling myself and, you know, that that you can do whatever you put your heart to and whatever you put your mind to if you just do it then you can do it you know what I mean and but I think what what I've had over the last 10 years I think is probably a little bit of 
apprehension maybe, a bit of fear possibly, a bit of comfort with my current situation. You know what it's like, you know what I mean? You end up getting a decent job, you're getting paid a decent amount of money, you end up getting a nice house and you're living comfortably and it's like, why, why rock the boat? You know what I mean? But, you know, deep down, it's like, is that what I want to be doing for the next 10 years? And the answer is obviously no. And I think that for the last 10 years, as I said, I've been, I've been, telling myself that you can do whatever you want to do, but just never got off my ass to do it. And so 2020 and the next decade is going to be about doing that because what's the worst that can happen, you know? So for those that, that don't know, um, I handed my notice in at my current job three months ago and my last day of work will be next Friday. And then from that moment on, it'll be VUX World and VUX World Studios not quite full-time. I'm going to be a voice strategist freelance at Vixen Labs working with JP and Jen Heap uh, for a few days a week. But it's getting there. It's the first step to create the time that VUX World and VUX World Studios needs for it to become something that can thrive and hopefully provide a living for both of us and more people if things go incredibly well. Are you excited? I'm absolutely over the moon. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. I couldn't, couldn't be, couldn't be happier. Yeah. What about you? What do you expect for for twenty twenty and and for the next decade? Yeah, next decade, not sure. We'll see. Uh, but certainly for the next year, I think the the buzzword for me over the next year is going to be focus. I think uh, there's a lot of interest that I have, and one of the challenges that I always have is I get very interested in things very quickly, and I go, oh, you know, shiny object. And so I think this year, certainly with studios, I think we're going to keep growing that. That's going to keep us both very busy, uh, you full-time, me in the evenings and weekends. Uh, and and that's, I now. think... For, for now. now. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I think, I think there's uh, that. And so I think that's going to be really good. I really want to move down the stack a lot as well and increase... Uh, my capabilities and the NLU, the machine learning side as well, the, the technical perspective. And then, yeah, just really focus. It doesn't have to be all productivity all the time. I'm going to continue hiking and camping and, and spending time with my wife. But those things that I'm never going to get deep on, it's time for me to go, okay, well, it, it's not super important to dabble on those. I have a box full of Arduino and Raspberry Pi that I'm probably going to get rid of because it, it's just time to accept that uh, there's certain things to focus on that, that I enjoy and make me happy and, and getting deep on a topic is, is much better, at least for me, than being very surface level on lots of different things. Mm. I seen a video um, a while back and it was Will Smith Right, and uh, seems a bit mad that Will Smith would would have this kind of content, given how much of a joker he is. But it was something like he was talking about when he was on The Fresh Prince, and after that, he had a load of offers to do a load of different things, and that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to do a bit of acting, he was trying to do films, he was trying to do sitcoms, he was trying to do all this kind of stuff. Um, and he said that he ended up spreading himself too thinly, and so he couldn't really apply himself fully to anything because he was just doing so much different stuff. So he's kind of applying himself at a surface level to lots of different stuff, but as you said, not getting deep into a specific thing. And at the time that I seen that, I was creating websites for people. I was writing 
freelance as a writer. I was a user experience consultant during the day. I also thought that somehow I could try my hand at writing um, jokes and like sitcoms and stuff like that. So I've got an Evernote notepad full of fucking shit like that. Um, But I was just doing a load of different stuff. And it wasn't until I found Amazon Alexa and, and decided to start this podcast as the first time ever that I've just completely cut out absolutely everything, including a large degree of my social life, to be perfectly honest, uh, and just focused purely and solely on that. And I think that's, you know, you know the next, definitely the next 10 years is going to be more of the same, I think. I think it's that, that focus and kind of dedication that keeps things progressing. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a great 2020. I hope it's a great 2020 for everyone who's listening in as well. I think it's it's a good opportunity for for us to continue to grow as a people, as an industry. And I think as well, you know, on a on a very personal note, you know, we're going to have the chance to continue meeting a lot of people in the community as well. Can next week you will be in Chattanooga at, at Project Voice. And so certainly I would encourage everyone to to come say hi and, and to have conversations because I don't know, Kane, you're a very outgoing kind of guy, but sometimes I you know like to, to be in my phone or be in my Kindle, uh, but definitely love having those conversations with people and, and looking forward to meeting even more people over the next year. Likewise, likewise. First time in America for me in Chattanooga next week. So yeah, do come and exciting. say hi because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think definitely with the podcast is, is going to sustain. I've absolutely loved meeting so many knowledgeable people. You know, everything, I'm looking at the poster that I've got here, which I'm probably going to take some to Chattanooga as well. So if you do find me, and I do have some posters left, maybe you can have one. Um Yeah, it's just, you know, you look at that list and you think, you know, there's people from all kinds of companies, you know, that have just joined us and spent time, which they didn't have to spend, sharing knowledge, which they're quite entitled to keep to themselves um, with us and with with the listeners. And so it's been absolutely immense. So thank you for all of our guests that have been on. And thank you for everyone who's been listening. Two years almost it's been, and you're still with us. So hopefully we can continue doing you justice and bringing you interesting insights and decent content that you can use to improve what you do. All the best for 2020. See you in Chattanooga and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Dustin. Take care, Kane.